0: Hello there, it's Leslie Jane Seymour, founder of Covey Club, and I'm so glad you're joining us for Reinvent Yourself. I have a wonderful, very different type of story today. We're going to talk to Tamika Felder, who really reinvented herself at a very young age after a diagnosis of cervical cancer at age 25. And it is a remarkable and inspiring story about somebody who only wanted to be a television producer. She got there very early, she was rocking it, and then got this tragic um, diagnosis and how she handled it and how she struggled for a long time with her job and staying there because of healthcare issues and staying there um, not being treated so well and working through her cancer treatment and how she came out on the other end and is now doing her own thing and is just a a remarkable person and a remarkable survivor. And I'm just so thrilled that you will have a chance to meet Tamika Felder. So here she is. So I want to welcome Tamika Felder today. Hello, Tamika, how are you doing? Hello, thank you so much for having me. Well, we're so glad to have you. You are such a different type of reinventor than um, we've talked to, which is fantastic, because you reinvented because of your own health crisis.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit about, like, you know, what was what were you doing before, and how did your health crisis impact you and make you reinvent?
1: So, you know, growing up, I always wanted to tell a story. And I became a television producer in Washington, D.C., and I was one of those crazy people running after all the political news and the latest, greatest story or person to highlight. And my world literally turned upside down when I was 25 years old. I was diagnosed with cervical cancer.
0: So young. That is so scary.
1: My now husband, who wasn't my husband when I was diagnosed to him, we had dated years ago and he was the one that wanted to get married. I didn't because I was so focused on my career. So it was so just the irony of it that there came this time in my life at just the young age of 25 that I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. I couldn't have children because of it, because I had a radical hysterectomy I went through chemotherapy, radiation, and I thought no one would ever want to be with me because I could not have children. Years later, my husband and I we remet, redated, and we've been married now, going on five and a half years, and I have a stepdaughter who's turning, you know, sixteen this week. But the road to get there was not all roses and rainbows and unicorns, you know, jumping through. Um, My life changed and I had this perfect cookie cutter plan and this cookie cutter plan didn't work out because I wasn't happy. And the one thing my cancer diagnosis really taught me is that life comes with an end date. Whether you have a cancer diagnosis or whatever, we all are going to leave this world at some point. And it sounds just so dark, but that's the truth. So we have to make the best of whatever time we have now. And so it's not about waiting until things are perfect. If you have a desire in your heart, whether it is a different type of professional career or a hobby that you'd love to be your first career. Or if it's just adopting a baby. I mean, Hoda Koppi, um at NBC has given us all hope. You know, she adopted a baby at, what, 52. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there may be some people who don't agree with that. But my point is, whatever it is that you want out of life. You know, I wrote it in this book. Seriously, what are you waiting for? The time is now. And that's
0: your book that is talking all about this, right?
1: It is, and and it really is my love note to myself. It's 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 a love note that I wrote to myself, you know, and other cancer survivors. Because I think when you're diagnosed with something, especially like cancer or any type of chronic disease, that thing weighs over you. Of course, a dark cloud following you around, and you know, what people who don't have cancer don't understand is when you get no evidence of disease, you get to ring the bell. It's your last treatment. You know, your clinician tells you you're free from cancer. Go back and live your life. You know, cancer comes in and it infects literally everything. You, your coworkers, your family, you know, your psyche, everything. And, you know, I foolishly thought at 26 that I could just, you know, I'm still young. I can pick up the pieces. I can go back to that day before I was diagnosed and act as if nothing had ever happened and live my life. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And what this ended up doing was pointing out other things in my life that weren't good. Like I had a horrible boss. ah, Were
0: you still at the, um, at the television station, where you you, you I, stayed working I, throughout
1: your cancer treatment. I did, and part of it was. It's funny when I started this job, I was like, "I'm only going to be here for a year." Still, so. less than a year into the job, I got diagnosed with cancer, and they were pretty good to me, you know. But I had a boss who, you know, it's these little things that I don't think we think about until we have time to really digest it. I had a medical uh, release form, and I was like, "I need ten weeks off." you know we're busy political news network he was like i can give you 8 weeks maybe 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 8 but probably 6 oh my god like um i have
0: cancer dude <laughs> <You know? laughs> and what did he do when you said you had cancer what did they
1: do what back then what did they do i mean he was i'm sorry you have cancer but this is what this is what we need and it's so funny because now we have all these, you know, legal rights for cancer patients, you know, there's an organization called cancer and careers. There wasn't anything like this way back in 2001, you know, before there was Google, before there was social media, as we know it before we had really the internet as we know it now. So now there are all these rights for cancer patients. Um, and so that was really, really hard. And then I got stuck because I needed the insurance. I thought, you know what, I don't have cancer anymore, but I need this insurance because I'm still in this five year zone where you constantly have to go to the doctor, you know, things happen, there are little hiccups, you know, and what if the cancer comes back? So I got stuck.
0: So you had to stay at that job because of the insurance. I did. That's and the truth for a lot of people. And that is what the big fight right now over pre existing conditions is. Right.
1: But I think also that or I know now that there was also that fear because now I wasn't the same person that I was before. So I wasn't as cocky. I wasn't as arrogant. You know, I was a little bit more of a shell of the person that I once was. So there was all this fear and doubt. Was I good enough? Could I truly make it? Could I be this next you know, level person that I wanted to be now that cancer had come in. And now I had this boss telling me constantly, Tamika, you're not the same. Oh my God. He would say that to you? He would say that to me and it broke my spirit. Oh my God. And you you know, the crazy thing, you know, some people become a disgruntled employee, not me, you know, I wanted to be the best that I could, you know, I like to win. I'd like to do well. If I'm getting paid for something, I don't want to just accept a check and <laughs> take it. I want to be a valued team player. And I'm right. a valued team player despite all the awards that line the shelves of our office that had my name on it. Despite constantly winning, constantly getting good feedback from stories and people that I had interviewed, it was never good enough. But it wasn't about me. Uh, it was about me not being where I needed to be. Because the truth was whether I had cancer or not, I had outgrown not only this this, you know, TV station, I had outgrown the people. Huh. So what did you when you say you were different, and
0: this was so you go through your treatment, do you mean you were different as you were going through your treatment or do you mean right after? Or do you mean you know, five years, years after or and how did you know? Like and in what way?
1: I I never thought I was different because I thought, you know what? I'm going through chemo and I'm still working. You, you know, I worked part time. I did what I had to do. I had bills to pay. I was very independent. You know, I didn't take, you know, any help from parents or anything like that. And, you know, I tried to keep up. I remember my uh, ph- photographer, we were going out to a shoot. And I got in the van, he's packing the gear. He's looking in the passenger seat. And he was like, Tamika, you don't look good. And he literally ran, you know, to the corner store, got me some crackers and ginger ale because it was just after a chemo day. Mm -hmm. And and I just pushed through it until I got home. And I think that's another way of where my resilience comes from because now I know that I am a strong person. I wouldn't suggest anyone else do this. Um... But but, but it, it, it made me feel stronger that I could go through this hard obstacle and still kind of hold on to some semblance of my normal life. Um, but, but the reality is no one really appreciated it. You know, if I had died, they would have just hired another producer. Ah. That producer would have come in. You know, I wasn't a valued team player. They sure enough value me now that I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all goes back to you have to be aligned with what you want to do, your hopes, wishes, dreams, and desires throughout life. Now, the happiness that I feel from doing exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it, I can't describe it. You know, people think that, I'm 43 years old now and mm-hmm. I quit in 2015.
0: Mm-hmm. You well, mean you quit the corporate life or you quit I, being I quit, a producer?
1: I quit the corporate life. Um, I'm not a television producer for anyone but myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy. You know, I get people who call me to do jobs and, you know, luckily I get to turn them down if it's not the right fit. Mm-hmm. And and it's all because I followed my heart and my passion. And one of my favorite quotes um, comes from Lemony Snicket. And I'm sure you know, <laughs> Your, your viewers know this very well. Um, you know, if we wait until we're ready, we'll be waiting for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that includes any aspect of your life. You know, it's why I asked the question, seriously, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. So I came up, you, you know, I wrote a blog post. And like I said, it was a love letter, not only to myself, but it started out as other cancer survivors. And it was really these 13 action steps to ignite your life and achieve the ultimate comeback. You know, if we look at TV shows and movies, you know, we, we realize that, you know, if you are over 35, you know, it's too late for you. Like it's over.
0: Oh, isn't that, that is what I fight every day with this podcast. And the reason why I'm doing it is nobody is talking to women 40 plus about their lives going forward. They're only talking to the 20 year olds and I love my 20 year olds. I have two of them, but you know what? They're not the be all and end all. And we have these longer lives, Tamika, and we have these longer lives that are going to morph into other things. And, you know, in 1900, women died at the age of 47. Right. No longer. We're going to 84 now. That's the average number. And how are you going to live that out? And why do they write us off? I think it's an old thing. I think they write women off earlier. I think they write women, men off, too, but not until, like, their 60s.
1: Well, I think, you know, there is a shift. I love the movie Book Club that came out. Oh, yes, that was very funny. <laughs> and it was it was such a good movie, too. That was the other thing. I love, um, what's the movie on Netflix? Uh, Frankie and Grace?
0: Yes, 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 I love them. Like, They're so cute.
1: I, I love things like that because I feel like it's showing people in the prime of their age And and life is not boring. Life is not sitting at home knitting and 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 waiting for each other to to die. Because that's been shown. You know, I laugh a lot about. You know, when I turned forty, I thought like, oh my god, I've I have so much more that I want to accomplish. So much more that needs to happen. I remember thinking I didn't want to celebrate, and I thought. Tamika, you almost died at 25. Oh my God, absolutely. Life is a gift. You know, every day we get to breathe and see and taste and smell. It's a gift. And so I celebrated it like it was nobody's business. Um, and, and, you know, my message really to people, you know, if you want to sit down and you want to knit and you want to do whatever, that's your choice. But be happy about that choice. Don't just settle. We shouldn't settle in life. And I want people to live their best lives beyond whatever it is that they're experiencing, whatever it is that they're encountering. And they only know what that looks like for them. And so when I talk to people and I counsel them and I encourage them, you know, I, I, I really ask them, it's like, what's your heart's desires? If money wasn't a factor, Mm-hmm. conflicts, limitations, what would you be doing? And I love to, you know, see someone's face light up or hear it in their voice when they start talking about their passion. You know, there was a woman who worked in PR and she wanted to be a food chef. She was like, I want to be a chef. She was like, but I don't know how to cook. She was like, but I have this passion for food. I love following <laughs> okay. <laughs> really funny to Okay. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this won't be your gift. But if this is something you're really passionate about, why don't you take some cooking classes? Right. She started taking cooking classes, and now of course she's, you know, speaking all over the country and doing food demos and all this stuff. And her food is really, really good. But That's what if she had tried? what if she had never tried this?
0: That's right. So to make a talk specifically, because I bet you there are a lot of people who have a cancer diagnosis, they're in a shitty job. They have to stay there through it to get their insurance. Right. But once you were done, how did you monetize what you wanted to do? Because you obviously made a career out of it. You didn't just walk away and sit around and, you know, try to help people. You actually made it into a business. So talk about what your
1: businesses are. I was terrified. I was absolutely (laughs) terrified. You know, we get accustomed to our check every, you know, two weeks or whatever your pay schedule is. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to be able to go out because I can cook, but I love going out to dinner. I love going out, you know, to happy hour and, you know, being with my friends and family and all this other stuff. And I was like, I'm going to have to change my, my life completely. You know, I'm going to have to be on a budget, you know, and it's funny because I was talking to one of my best friends last night and she just laughs now. She was like, you remember how ridiculous you were? Like, you're like, you won't weren't, weren't gonna be able to go out and do these things. And so I made a plan. I literally made a blueprint of, how I wanted my life to look, but I also made a financial blueprint. Like how can I, you know, financially make this happen? And so I thought, you know, I have this job now. I had already started speaking at different conferences. And so I'm a paid speaker. So that's how I make the bulk of my money from my household. I'm a professional paid speaker. And how so how did
0: I, you get that? Can you explain how you got that going? Because that is actually we have a piece coming in the November issue talking about how to get into being a paid speaker because a lot of women are asked to speak, but they're not often paid. And a lot of women would like to segue into that. Can you briefly talk about how you did that?
1: You have to speak up and ask to be paid if they're not offering it. You just have to do it. And so I was fortunate that I had a lot of paid speaking gigs. Um, for me, if there is uh, someone that has a cervical cancer test or something like that, you may want to reach out to a company and say, hey, would you like any you know, patient advocacies or a patient uh, advocate spokesperson? So that's one way you can do it. There are a lot of cancer. Get com- a sponsor.
0: Which is finding a sponsor who will sponsor you for your speeches, correct?
1: Absolutely. Um, There are a lot of conferences that are cancer specific. Some of these are nonprofits and they don't have the budget. That's right. But they may have sponsors who will sponsor a session with whatever specifically you want to talk about. And so if you want to be a paid speaker, you kind of have to figure out what are your speaking platforms. So a few of mine are directly speaking about cervical cancer, cancer in general. I was a young adult that was diagnosed with cancer, so I can speak to young adult populations. Mm -hmm. I'm also a black woman, so I can speak to minority populations about health disparities. So Mm -hmm. it's really figuring out, I talk a lot about sexuality and cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the top third of my vagina removed. Uh. I talk about acute cancer and uh, sexual dysfunction a lot. You can also reach Mm out the makers of, um, so for me, sexual lubricants, uh, Vagisil wipes, different things like that, You know, I reach out to those people and say, hey, how can we work together? But before that even happened, people were reaching out to me. So it's about making sure that if you want to do this, that your story is out there, that you're creating an audience um, and, and people will come to you. So the paid part. So I did have a lot of people who, okay, we don't have a budget. We can't pay. And when I was working, it was fine. If it was something I wanted to do and people didn't have a budget, okay, it's fine. Now that I'm doing this uh, full time, I can't have the luxury to not get paid. And so I really think about if it's something that it doesn't have a budget, you know, is it meaningful in another way? If it's someone who doesn't have a budget, but I want to do it out of the goodness of my heart and I know that I will be blessed with something in the future, I do it or right. something that will lead to other speaking engagements in the future that are paid. So you really just have to think about those things. Um, you have to do it. There are all these Facebook groups and different resources, like even your podcast that help people who are reinventing themselves and starting over. Um, people have to be tuned in uh, to do it. I took Marie Forleo's b Oh, you did? What did you think of that? Oh my God. I love Marie Forleo and I love B-School. And I will tell you, like, I took B-School for the first time in 2014, so a year before I quit. And I have to tell you, it has been one of the biggest helps you know, for me doing this. And part of it, not just the school itself, but the online Facebook group that you have access to for life, because you get to take the school over again as many times as you want, but the resources that are just in that private Facebook group alone are invaluable. Oh,
0: that's so interesting because I know she's been terrifically successful. And, um, you know, I haven't taken her courses, but I know she's done very, very well.
1: So you have to invest in yourself. While you're reinventing yourself, you have to invest in yourself. If you were at your job and you were taking continuing education or you were going off to a conference to better, you know, uh, be a better employee to be, a, you know, a, a leader in this position, you would invest in yourself or your company would invest in yourself. So, yes. what you have to do now that you're working on your own or you're seeking to be your own boss in the future, yes, to invest in yourself. And so- a lot of women
0: hesitate to invest in themselves, Tamika. That's what I hear a lot. Um, I hear that from people who run um, these, uh, from home to relaunch kind of, uh, programs and the women won't spend. It's so interesting. Men will spend on themselves and women will not. When I talked to really successful people, like, do you know, Julia Pimsler, who does the million dollar women?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Where she said, when I finally asked her how much she spent on coaching $60,000. Wow. And that's, you know, that's just a ton of money. But women hesitate to spend that on themselves.
1: It's very interesting. How did you know it was worth it? Well, I think part of it is because we're holding on to the purse strings and we're thinking like, well, I'm running this business, you know, cash is strapped or I have to be frugal because what if the bottom falls out? So I think that's part of it. I think with me, I knew that I needed help. You know, I'd never run a business before, so I was never in charge. And then I thought about it. You know, after taking Marie Forleo's class, it's like I have been in charge before. You know, uh-huh. was, when in college and high school, I worked at Taco Bell. When I worked at Taco Bell in college, I was a shift manager. Okay, there you go. So there were tools that I had learned being a freaking shift manager at Taco Bell. <laughs> Right. That are useful. Exactly. 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 That are useful. And I started thinking about those things because it's intimidating. It's overwhelming. And you just think like, I've been in this box for so long that it's too late in my life to start something new and I can't do it. And that's when it comes in that, okay, let me seek professional help. Another thing um, I did have a branding coach Oh, you know, so that, you
0: did coaching, you did school, you did... Okay, so a branding coach. That's the other thing that's very hard to define.
1: So I used a branding coach, Amanda Miller-John. She has a great book called Package Your Genius. And she actually has a, a by the same name, Package Your Genius. And I literally worked with her. And I remember talking to her and I said, you know what? I can't do the full course, but I can you know, do a couple of sessions with you. And when I mean a couple, I was just like two and I remember we would do, and then I would, people would say, you know, Christmas gifts. What do you want? It's like, oh, okay. I want, you know, you to give me some money towards my coaching sessions. <laughs> That's how serious I was about making this leap because I was, I was thinking like, I'm never going to leave this job. Like right. I'm never gonna leave. Like so I you
0: were doing this all, Tamika, while you were in a full time job. I was
1: doing this all while I was in a full time job. I would leave on my lunch break and okay. I would go to Washington D.C. for the viewers who know the D.C. area, go to Chevy Chase, Maryland, to meet with my branding coach. Wow. <laughs> okay. My- while I'm I'm with her, run back. <laughs> wow! Amazing. <laughs> And but, but my point in saying that is if you really want it, if this is something you really want, you will find a way to make it happen by any means necessary. You know, not, I'm not saying anything illegal now. You know? Right. <laughs> but by right. any means necessary, you will do right. what you need to do to make it happen. And, right. and, and, and can I tell you what the true catalyst was for me? Yes. I woke up one day one It was the, the wee hours of the morning, maybe about two, three o'clock in the morning. And I told my husband, I, I, I was like, I think I'm having a stroke. He was like, what? I was like, I think something's wrong with me and I need to go to the emergency room. Oh, my. And he said to me, he's like, no, you're not having a stroke. We can go to the emergency room. He was like, you need to quit that job. Oh, OK. The stress of being in such a toxic environment was getting to me. And it was affecting my health, you oh know, my God. Health that I fought to save.
0: Yes. Right.
1: So, so why would I stay? And so it took me from there another year. Oh, I, okay. always, I always share this because people think they, they're like, it's so easy for you. You just did it. And so it's why I've been talking about this. And I wrote the book because I want people to know, no, I took the long way. I mm-hmm. couldn't, but fear. You know, fear is a mf'er. You know, it will creep in and it will have you doubting yourself, second Mm -hmm. yourself. And you know, my path is my path. But at the end of the day, I want people to know, no matter how long it takes you to get there, as long as you follow your dreams. Because, as you said earlier, we're living longer. You 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 see that we're living wonderful lives. I want to be one of those women where I'm in my 80s, if I'm lucky enough to live that far, where I'm having, you know, good sex, I'm traveling. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I am enjoying life, things, and the people in it. And everything I'm doing now is helping me get to that point. Um, because, So, so Tamika,
0: can I interrupt for one sec? Uh,
1: sure.
0: Other than speaking... What else is funding you in your current business? You have a website.
1: I I have a website, TamikaFelder.com. I also have a nonprofit called Survivor, C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R. And I don't take a salary from Survivor. Survivor is is my philanthropic uh, arm of everything that I do. So it's where I give back. I give back in other ways, but it's the biggest part of where I give back. Um, but there are certainly people who start nonprofits, they take a salary and there's nothing wrong with that. I've just been okay to not be able to do that. And I have a great volunteers and I have a part-time, um, staff and consultants who make it all happen along with me. And I, and I love it that way. So besides speaking, the other thing that I do is that I, um, am a, a Tele, uh, not tell. I'm sorry, production producer. So oh. if a hospital or you or someone wants to hire me and my production team uh, to create any type of video or media component for your business, we're available for hire. You know, um, I don't have a, a, as much time as I used to uh, because of the speaking gigs. And so I literally am very selective when it comes to which... Of those that I do, but I always tell people that it's great to have, you know, multiple streams of income. Having right. a book, this book is another multiple stream of income for me. Um, it's on Amazon. I self-published it, so you know, I, I get a monthly, you know, email from Amazon with how many books I sell, and I always sell books, even when I'm not promoting it. The book has been out now for a year and a month, two months. And uh, it's done really well. It probably could do better if I promoted it more. Right. Also, when I do my speaking gigs, now I incorporate if people want to buy books. You know, Mm -hmm. they can buy books. um, And I sign them or whatever. So people can buy them. I have it on my website. I have uh, printed copies that I keep for myself. But it's it's an easy way to have a passive stream of income, something that you don't have to really work at every day to make money for you. And that was a term that I didn't know about until I took B school. I had nope. no idea what passive income was. And so if you're going to work for yourself, unless you literally have one thing that can bring in the major books, you're going to need multiple streams of income. And so for me, it's the book speaking and doing um, videos for people when they hire me as a producer. Can and I ask
0: one, one last question? Personal question because it's obviously hanging out there. What? How did you resolve your family question? Because I know you said that you had—I guess you had a hy- hysterectomy. Yes. Yeah. You weren't able to have children. So how did you resolve that? Did you just decide I'm going to do this not, childless,
1: or what did you decide? I haven't resolved it yet. You know, when I when I tell does oh. they laugh at me? Um, because I go through cycles where I'm like, I'm okay without being a mom, you know, it's okay. And then like this weekend, I was with the juiciest baby. I mean, full of just like arm rolls and, you know, all the thigh rolls and just the sweetest, happiest baby. And I just kept looking at her and I guess I just kept thinking, I want a baby. Do it. I want a baby. And so I, and I meant that Hold a Copy has really given me hope. Um, I don't know what the future holds. It almost makes me want to cry just saying it out loud. So I think you know. Sometimes I tuck it in, and I think I'm okay with not being able to have a baby, but I'm not. I'm I'm not. So it's not resolved yet. The story's still unfolding. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I was
0: at a dinner last night with a woman who's 57, and she had twins at 57. She's actually now 13 years later. She's in her 70s, but it Fifty-seven. She had twin kids. You know know how she did it, but it's like. And I looked at her and I was like, "Aren't you exhausted?" She's like, "No, I waited so long. I'm totally ecstatic about it."
1: You know, my mom had me at forty-two, and you know, sometimes, and I've forgiven myself because I used to hate myself for not wanting to have kids, and and I was angry at myself, and I had to release that. You know. So when I I mean it, I don't know what the future holds, but I know in some type of way there is a child in my life.
0: Oh, so interesting. Who knows? We're gonna have to check in with you. (laughs) You have to promise to check in with me and let me know if things. I promise. I think something's gonna happen, and it some baby's gonna be dropped at your door at some point. (laughs) I can tell where this is headed. I think you're never too old, Tamika. Honestly, I really, I really believe that if you wanted, well, you know, you're the, you're the one who says it. If you want to do it, you'll do it. So exactly. I'm looking forward to oh, hearing that part of it.
1: Up. You haven't it <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, oh, I can tell what's going to happen this year. So before we close, Tamika, um, are there? You've given a lot of great tips already, but if you had to give, you know, two tips that somebody listening who's in a crappy job or a job where they don't respect them or they're not treating them right or they're there because of healthcare issues and they're afraid to leave. What would you offer to them as something that they could actually start working on tomorrow?
1: You know, one of the things that I literally would say to them is that you are not a tree. So you don't have to stand still. You can move. That your future belongs to you. And all you have to do is take that step. Literally that first step in getting the life that you want. Like it's just never too late. It's never too late.
0: Okay. Anything else? Seriously, what are you waiting for? Like, <laughs> gonna, like do it now? <laughs> uh, okay. I'm putting that back at you. We're, we're all going to be waiting to hear. Seriously, what are you waiting for? I'll have to make the announcement here. <laughs> you'll make it here. Absolutely. (laughs) Tamika, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. And what a fabulous story of survival and reinvention. And you sound so happy that this is going to make people who are miserable, actually (laughs) get their butts in gear and do something about it. Because that's how I kind of feel, you know, we have all those friends who are miserable, miserable, miserable. And And the point is, you know, either you have to put up or shut up.
1: Exactly. And you know what, Leslie? Literally, freedom is the sweetest word. And there is nothing like sweet joy and happiness in your life.
0: Yep. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me and for sharing your story and for being so direct and so honest. I know everybody appreciates it. And congratulations to you for your survivorhood. And I have a feeling there's more in your life to come. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks. So I want to thank you so much today for joining us on Reinvent Yourself. I'm Leslie James Seymour and I'm the founder of Covey Club. And I hope that if you like this podcast, you will give us some stars because go to to the site and review us wherever you are, because that's the way other people find out about us. It's really important if you want to help other women who are trying to reinvent themselves or it could be men, doesn't have to be women. And I hope you enjoyed this talk with Tamika. I think she was such an inspiration. When you have a health issue, it is a totally different type of reinvention that you have to achieve. And she is so upbeat, so positive. She's looking forward to this incredible life that she owns. And I love the fact that she has her uh, survivor.org website where you can go and learn all about survivorship and help support other women who have cervical cancer and how she gives money back that way. And I love the fact that she has such a wonderful book that will help you, which is called Seriously, What Are You Waiting For? 13 Actions to Ignite Your Life and Achieve the Ultimate Comeback. What could be a better reinvention book than that on her site? And I, again, I hope that if you enjoyed this, you will come over to Covey Club and join us there too. We have all kinds of events and online and offline events, and we have a lot of wonderful stories like Tamika's that you can share and that will inspire you. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you will join us at the next podcast and the next episode of Reinvent Yourself. Thank you.